If you can, please stand for the reading of scripture. Therefore, remember that formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is in the, done in the body by human hands. Remember, at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. We want to welcome Pastor Sam. I know I would mess up his last name, so he said that's fine. Back to Midway as our guest pastor. Pastor Sam has a Master of Divinity and a PhD in New Testament from Trinity International University. He has served as a pastor in the missions, theological education, and as a chaplain. He was pastor at Berean Fellowship Church in Youngstown from 2003 to 2016. Pastor Sam is currently an adjunct professor with Liberty University of Divinity. He, was, he is married to Funma, and they have three children and six grandchildren. Welcome, Pastor Sam. Thank you, Charlotte, for that uh, introduction. It's uh, indeed my pleasure to be back here at uh, Midway. Since we came, the last time we came, I think uh, a little update. Uh, the grandchildren are more than six now. We have seven of them. <laughs> so uh, our, our tribe is growing. Uh, it, it looks like that will be it for, for now. So the, the, the quiver, our quiver of grandchildren is filled. Uh, I told Charlotte when she was asking me, now, how, how do you pronounce your last name? I said, you see, when I was in Berea, Fellowship Church in Youngstown, for almost 15 years, they just called me Pastor Sam uh, because they didn't want to break their jaw by trying to pronounce my last name. So Pastor Sam was good enough for 15 years. And uh, so for the hour and half or so that I'll be here, Pastor Sam is still good enough. As we spend uh, 
the next half an hour or so, I would like to invite you, if you haven't done so already, to look at your scriptures with me again. And uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 19 is our text for this morning. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you for the blessing of your word. And we thank you for your spirit, our teacher, interpreter, and the one who enables us to not only read and understand, but who empowers us to be obedient to your word. Open our eyes this morning and help us to behold the wondrous truth in your word and the will to live it out to your glory, to your honor, and our joy and peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Christians as citizens of two worlds is my topic this morning. Christians as citizens of two worlds. In other words, I'm going to talk about Christians having dual citizenship. You have one citizenship that belongs to this world, and you have another citizenship that belongs to a different world. It's about six decades ago, a couple in the country, West African country of Nigeria, had a baby boy, their second child. And that was me, about six decades ago. And so that was how I became a citizen of the country of Nigeria in West Africa, by birth to a Nigerian parent. Fast forward. About six decades later, I found myself, my family and I, we find ourselves here in America, uh, in a place called Youngstown. And now we are, after being in the U.S. for about 20 some years, we decided to become citizens of America. And so now we had to go through the process of becoming citizens of this country through the process that is called naturalization. So we naturalized and now we became citizens again of America. So my family and I now have dual citizenships. We, have, uh, we are citizens of Nigeria and at the same time we are citizens of America. Now, for all I know, you are allowed to be, I mean, to have dual citizenship only in two countries. Now, if you want to be a citizen of a third country, you have to lose one citizenship, so you can only have dual citizenship. This morning, we're going to look at two basic kingdoms. There are two basic kingdoms in the world. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. 
Everybody who is born naturally belongs to the kingdom of this world. So all of humanity belong to the kingdom of this world. But only those who are born again or who are born spiritually belong in the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. Everybody born of a human parent belong in the kingdom of this world. Only those who are born spiritually belong in the kingdom of God. So there are many, if not all, as I would like, who are here this morning who belong in both kingdoms. The kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. Just in case there are some here who only belong in the kingdom of this world but do not belong in the kingdom of God, we are going to talk about how to have a dual citizenship. So my first point is, how do you become a dual citizen of the kingdom of the world and at the same time a citizen of the kingdom of God? If we look at the passage uh, that we have read, verse 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, talking to the Ephesians, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. How to be a dual citizen? Now there are two basic ways, like I've said, to become a citizen by birth and by naturalization. Just like uh, six decades ago, I was given birth to, so I became a Nigerian. I carried the Nigerian passport. And I had all the privileges, the benefits and privileges of being a Nigerian. I could vote. I could be voted for. If I won, I could run as president of Nigeria with all the benefits because I was born in Nigeria. But after that, uh, in 2013, when I became a citizen of the U.S., now I have dual citizenship. I could vote, but I cannot be voted for as president. So my benefits as a second citizen in this country was somewhat limited. There are certain limitations, certain things I cannot do because my citizenship was by naturalization. I was not given birth to in this country. And I realized that even if you are a full-blown American, your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents were Americans, and then you move to Mexico or you move to some other country and you give birth to children there, your children will be just like me. They can come back to the United States, they can vote, but they cannot be president. So you see, as a dual citizen, of Nigeria and the US, I have some privileges that I can enjoy. One of the disadvantages or the privileges that I cannot enjoy is if I were to commit a crime in the US, not only will I be penalized, be punished, be sentenced to prison for the crime, 
But after that, because I am a naturalized citizen, I will be deported to my original country. So you see, there are benefits and limitations to dual citizenship. Now, according to verse 11 of our text, the Apostle Paul says in verse 11, Therefore, remember that formerly you, he was now talking to the Ephesian Gentiles, you were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the, the circumcision, which is done on the body by human hands. Now, he's talking about the natural birth of the Ephesians. You see, for the Jewish mentality, the Jewish worldview, humanity is divided into two categories according to the Jewish worldview. One category are the Gentiles. So all of humanity who do not belong to the Jewish family are considered Gentiles. Now the rest of them are Jews. So for the Jewish worldview, there are Jews and there are Gentiles. All of humanity fall into these two categories, Jews and Gentiles. So now, in order for a Jew, I mean for a Gentile, to become a citizen of the kingdom of God, and in order for a Jew to become a citizen of the kingdom of God, Paul is saying that Jews, forget about your classification of Jew and Gentiles. Because Christ went to the cross, he died, there's a new category now. There are, I mean, there's a new citizenship. Either you belong, whether you are a Jew or Gentile, you either belong in the kingdom of this world, Jew and Gentile, or because Christ went to the cross and died, now you, you can become a citizen of the new kingdom of God on the basis of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he's saying this to the Ephesians. So to be a citizen of this new kingdom, that is the kingdom of God, Paul is saying to the Jews and to the Gentiles that they have to experience a new birth. According to verse 15, it says, to be a citizen of the kingdom of God, you must be born again. That is the message of verse 15. He says, Christ suffered in the flesh. He was crucified. And the purpose of his death, the purpose of Christ's crucifixion is to establish this new kingdom made of both Jew and Gentiles. Before the death of Christ, you either belong to a Jewish kingdom or you are a Gentile. But now he's saying after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's a new kingdom, the kingdom of God. Now, whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, you can become a member of the new kingdom. Before Christ's death and resurrection, it is not possible for a Gentile to become a member of the Jewish kingdom. You have to go through some special rites in order to cross over. And it is totally impossible for a Jew to become a Gentile. Now Christ, I mean Paul is saying, because of Christ's death and resurrection, now it is possible for Jew and Gentile to come together and be a member of the kingdom of God. Now, 
Now, unlike the earthly kingdom, either to be a Gentile or to be a Jew, unlike the earthly kingdom, this kingdom of God has a requirement which is to believe in Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. And if you remember in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus, a Jewish scribe and leader, came to Jesus secretly at night and he says, teacher, he was inquiring, how can I be a member of this new kingdom you're talking about? And Jesus told Nicodemus in chapter 3, uh, let me read verse 5. He says, Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely, they cannot enter the kingdom, I mean, they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Now you see, Nicodemus was trying to negotiate his way. When Jesus told him, Very truly, or verily, verily, truly, truly, I say to you, you cannot transit from the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of God unless you are born again. And Nicodemus said, how can that be? Look at me, I'm old. You want me to be reborn by my mother, to go back into my mother's womb? And Jesus says, Nicodemus, you can't negotiate your way out of this. And Jesus repeated again, Nicodemus, truly, very truly I say to you, you must be born again to make it into the kingdom of God. You have to be born again. It is not negotiable. Now, they will, if, you, if you say that today in the public, they will say that you are narrow-minded. You are being exclusive. Look at the, the billions of people who do not have the opportunity. Are you saying that these people will not make it into the kingdom of God? I am not saying that. Scripture, the Lord says, very truly, unless you are born again, there is no other way. To make it into the kingdom of God. Naturalization will never make, I mean, uh, give you entrance into the kingdom of God. Yes, you can naturalize to become a, a, an American citizen, a Nigerian citizen, a Jewish citizen, but you cannot naturalize your way into the kingdom of God. You must be born again. There is Jewish exceptionalism. You know what that, I mean? Uh, uh, the Jews felt that they are special. They are the people of God. They are very special. And many of them think, especially in the fourth century, when Paul was preaching, many of the Jews felt that we are God's people. So what are you saying about this kingdom of God? When we are the chosen people of God, we are the exceptional people of God. And Paul is saying, except you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now today we live in the 21st century 
We don't hear much about Jewish exceptionalism any longer. Instead, what we hear today is we hear about the American exceptionalism. America is considered or considers herself exceptional. And so you hear that, I mean, uh, uh, if you travel internationally, you can enjoy, if you are an American and you travel internationally, you enjoy America's exceptionalism if you carry the American passport. I know what I'm talking about because I have traveled with my Nigerian passport and with my American passport and I know the difference. And it can cost you hours at the airport because you have that blue passport. American exceptionalism. Somebody was complaining the other day. She was traveling from uh, 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 UK to Uganda. She was invited by uh, a Ugandan uh, government official, highly placed. But when she got there, uh, they would not allow her. I mean, she had to stay on the line for hours before she could get in. And she said, but look at, look at these other people. How come these people are on the fast lane and everything. He said, but you look at them. They have a blue passport. American exceptionalism. But guess what? When it comes to the kingdom of God, American exceptionalism cannot get you into the kingdom of God. You must be born again. America's exceptionalism, Jewish exceptionalism, does not get anyone into the kingdom of God. Instead, you have to be born again. Church membership will not get you, or uh, 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 denominational affiliation will not get anybody into the kingdom of God. You probably remember the story of John Wesley. John Wesley was the founder of Methodism. John Wesley had a dream. After he founded the Methodist church, Originally, he was of the Church of England, Episcopal or Anglican Church. And then John Wesley founded the Methodist Church. And so he had a dream that he died and he went to heaven. Or he was on his way to heaven. And when he got to the gate of heaven, the angel was there. So, all right, uh, Wesley, let's see, let's see your document. And Wesley asked the angel, do you have any Anglicans in heaven? And the angel looked at his leader and said, sorry, no angel, I mean, no Anglicans in heaven. Said, really? Okay, uh, what about Baptists? Do you have any Baptists in heaven? He said, no Baptists in heaven. Well, he was the founder of uh, Methodism, Methodist Church. And so he said, okay, well, what about Methodists? Do you have any Methodists in heaven? And they looked at the leader and said, sorry, no Methodists in heaven either. And then he woke up in cold sweat and thank, thank God that it was a dream. In other words, the message is in heaven there are no church membership. Church membership will not get you into heaven. So you can be a Mennonite all you want. Your parents were Mennonites, your grandparents were Mennonites, your great-grandparents were Mennonites, good for you, but that will not get you into heaven. You must be born again. No Mennonites in heaven. Sorry to hear that. We only have born again Christians. 
in heaven. That is the only way we can uh, enter the kingdom of God. There is such a thing as easy believism. Easy believism. It's a form of the gospel we preach and you say, all you need to do is just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. In other words, it doesn't matter how you live your life. Just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are good to go. You can make it to heaven. Uh-uh, not too fast. Easy believism is a watered-down version of the gospel. You remember what James says? Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith. By my works. So you cannot just say you believe, but your lifestyle does not show your faith. In Romans 5, Paul talks about the obedience of faith. If you have faith that saves, then it must be seen in, in your lifestyle. The way you walk, the way you talk, the way you do your job, the way you live your life will show your faith, even without you saying it out. So easy believism does not get you into the kingdom of God. If you truly believe, if you have a saving faith in Christ, then it will, it will be seen in the way you live your life. Obedience of faith is what gets you into the kingdom of God. As citizens of God's kingdom, Uh, going to my second point, how to live as citizens of the kingdom of God. We have seen that in order to enter, to be a member of the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Now, once you have crossed over, once you have gone into the kingdom of God, now you have dual citizenship. Now, the question is, how do you live as a member of the kingdom of God? According to verse 14 of our text, there the Apostle Paul again writes, he says, For he, that is Christ himself, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, talking to the Jews and Gentiles. The kingdom the kingdom life, if you're a member of the kingdom of God, the kingdom life is characterized by peace, according to the scriptures. He says, Christ has made the two group, in spite of the hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles, Christ now on the cross, after his resurrection, he made peace between the two hostile groups. And not only between the two hostile groups, Christ made peace even between us and God. So there is vertical peace and there is horizontal peace as a result of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So how do we live as members of the kingdom of God? And that is, we live a life that is characterized by peace. In what peace that we have? Nothing can give us that peace with God. Peace with God and peace with our fellow human being. Through the death and resurrection of Christ, the barrier of hostility 
between Jews and Gentiles has been destroyed, has been broken down. So that now you can see Jews and Gentiles. You remember the experience of uh, uh, Peter in Acts chapter 10 when God told him to go to the house of Cornelius. That barrier has been torn down. So now the two are made one. Members of the new kingdom of God. Christ's death has torn down the barrier. And so if you are a member of this new kingdom, you are supposed to live a life that displays that peace with other members of this kingdom. You are supposed to display that uh, 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 new peace between you and God, the Father, or the King. So, one way we show that we are members of the kingdom of God is by the peace we exhibit between ourselves and our fellow members of this kingdom, regardless of the barrier that had divided us uh, uh, previously. There are so many barriers that Christ tore down on the cross. The barriers of racism has been removed on the cross of Jesus Christ. The barrier of classism, the barrier of denominationalism, or oh, you belong to that denomination and belong to this denomination and the two shall never see together. The barrier of genderism, one gender against the other. The barrier of nationalism, the barrier of politicism, especially in this day and age that we see in America. America is divided along tribal politics. You, you, are, you are a Republican, I'm a Democrat, and the two can never sit down together and talk about what is going on in our country. So we have been fragmented and divided, and it is sad to say that even in the Church of Christ, there is that division. Christians cannot sit down and talk about politics. We are not living above the political fray in our society today. So where is the testimony? They see us as belonging to the kingdom of this world. They do not see us as belonging. We are not living above the kingdom of this world to show them that, hey, look, I belong to a superior kingdom. So it doesn't matter what your political affiliation is. If you are a member of the kingdom of God, hey, you are my brother, you are my sister. We can have fellowship together. So the divisions of this earthly kingdom must be transcended by the unity that was established by the blood, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on the cross. So that is one way to show that we belong to the kingdom of God, that we are able to live above the barriers, the divisions that hold sway in the kingdom of this world. Examine your life. Are you living above the barriers that are still pulling people down in the kingdom of this world? If you are, then it is because you belong to the kingdom of God. And if you are not, then you are not fleshing out the values of the kingdom of God. You are still living as if you belong to the kingdom of this world. There is so-called Christian nationalism. 
I, I call it so-called uh, Christian nationalists who prioritize their pride of, I mean, if you look at the term Christian nationalism, uh, looking back to my uh, English grammar, Christian nationalism. Christian there is an adjective. Christian nationalism. The key word there is nationalism. So Christian, you can remove the word Christian, but you still have nationalism or nationalist. When you say, I'm a Christian nationalist, you know what you are promoting? You're promoting the kingdom of this world. Even when you, put, when you uh, tag the word Christian to it, it is just an adjective. The noun is stronger than the adjective. When I remove the adjective, the noun still stands. So you are really nothing but a nationalist. The important thing is, if you belong in the kingdom of God, then you talk about being an American Christian. An American Christian. Now the word American is just an adjective. You can remove it anytime and you still have a Christian. So what we need is we need American Christians. Not Christian Americans who are just nothing but a bunch of worldly people who are tagging on Christianity for their own selfish ends. Christ died to remove that barrier so that we can show to the world that we are citizens of the kingdom of God, not of the kingdom of this world. You see, there's, there's, a, there's a rivalry going on between the two kingdoms. There's a rivalry going on. It is therefore your responsibility, it is my responsibility to show to the world that Christ's death on the cross has done away with that barrier. That rivalry has been nullified by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when you look at people of the world, you still see that rivalry going on. But in the kingdom of God, that has been done away with. But we must leave it out. Now, not only did the death and resurrection of Christ do away with that, all the barriers that are attached to the kingdom of this world, if you belong in the kingdom of God, Jesus says, seek first. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, the Lord says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things that they are pursuing in the kingdom of this world shall be added unto you. Probably now or soon, uh, uh, room, I mean, uh, Revelation 21, when the new order, when there is a new heaven and a new earth, all these other things that they are pursuing here and now shall be added unto you. So he says, if you belong to the kingdom of God, this is how you should live. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
In other words, you see, the valuables, the valuables of this earthly kingdom. Jesus is not saying, as a Christian, we are not to uh, uh, seek after some of these valuables of the earthly kingdom. We need some of them. We need housing. We need transportation. We need jobs. We need food. We need clothing. Yeah, we need all of these things. But he's saying that, hey, look, yeah, you may need all of these things, but these should not be your priority. He said, seek first. Yeah, you may seek these things, but your desire for this should not triumph over your desire for the values of the kingdom of God. It's okay to seek these things, but they, may, they, they must be secondary. They cannot be first place. Pride of place must not be given to the valuables of this earthly kingdom. Our priority must be given to the invaluables of the kingdom of God. Again, Jesus said, if you are a member of this kingdom, then you must live a life that is seeking first the valuables, or rather, the invaluables of the kingdom of God, as opposed to the valuables of the earthly kingdom. You say, what is the difference between the valuables of this earthly kingdom and the invaluables of the kingdom of God? A valuable is something that has a price tag. You can put a price tag on every valuables of this earthly kingdom. But you see, the invaluables of the kingdom of God are priceless. They, are, they, are, they have eternal value. Priceless. So Jesus is saying, as you live your life, citizens of the kingdom of God, make sure that your priority is invaluable, righteous, and pleasing to God. It's a better deal to trade the world's comfort and pleasure for kingdom suffering. And that was why Jesus said, blessed are those who suffer and are persecuted for righteousness sake. It is better to trade the pleasure and the comfort of this earthly kingdom for the persecution and suffering of the kingdom of God. And it's part of the tension, whether you like it or not. Every day, there is that tension between friendship with the world and enmity with God, or enmity with the world and friendship with the world. We live in that tension every day. But the Lord says, seek first his kingdom. Let that be your priority. And in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus was given various parables about the kingdom. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. Citizens of God's kingdom must be ready to trade their worldly valuables for the invaluables of God's kingdom. As citizens of God's kingdom, Paul says 
in Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty, he says, "You are ambassadors for Christ." Now, an ambassador, as we know, is a representative of one kingdom or one nation to another nation. So Jesus is saying that if you are born again, if you are a child of God, you are an ambassador of Christ pleading with the citizens of the kingdom of this world to be reconciled with God and become members of his kingdom, the kingdom of God. So every born again, every true child of God is automatically an ambassador of the kingdom of God to the kingdom of this world. Now it doesn't matter whether you have the gift of, uh, of missionary. It doesn't matter whether you have the call to be a missionary. Paul says, as long as you are a citizen of this kingdom, you are an ambassador to the inhabitants or to the citizens of the kingdom of this world. So we all who are members of the kingdom of God automatically are ambassadors to the kingdom of this world. An ambassador is expected to leave, I mean, his host country or to represent his country in a host country. That is the work of an ambassador. And so the question is, or the implication is, if you are a member of the kingdom of God, and right now you are living in this kingdom, do the inhabitants of the kingdom of this world, do they see in you the traits, characteristics of a citizen of the kingdom of God? Or when they see you, all they see is, they don't see any difference. They say, well, he is just like us, or she is just like us. We all belong in the same kingdom. If that is the case, then you are not truly an ambassador of the kingdom of God to the citizens of this world. As ambassadors for Christ, we are commissioned to reconcile citizens of the world to the kingdom of God. We are to reconcile a hostile world by our words and our deed. I teach one of the classes, uh, theology classes that I teach uh, at Liberty. There is the question that we, uh, the students are asked to discuss and that is, in the kingdom of this world that we live right now, represented by the United States, there is such a thing as sacred and secular. There is such a thing as uh, uh, church and state. And so there are certain comments you and I cannot make. If you try to evangelize, if you try to talk about your faith, you'll be challenged. Say, ah, uh ah. -uh. Separation of church and state. Or you are violating my right. You are not supposed to talk about religion in the workplace, in the school. So the question is, how do you become an ambassador for the kingdom of God in the kingdom of this world where you are told that there is a separation of church and state? Your citizenship 
is now to be internalized. You are not to express the fact that you are a citizen of this kingdom in the kingdom of this world. And the answer, I always tell my students, I said, look at it. Yes, the constitution says, not in so many words, it is implied, they say, that there is separation of church and state. Yes, even if I cannot witness verbally, there is nothing in the Constitution of the United States that says that you cannot live righteously in the United States. There is nothing that says you cannot have a Christian work ethics in the United States. There is nothing that says in U.S. that you cannot live I mean, a life of truthfulness and transparency in the U.S. So the point is, even though they challenge us that we cannot witness verbally, there is no law against living out your Christian values in this world. Your lifestyle, the lifestyle of the kingdom of God, if we live it out in this kingdom, there is no law against that. If you tell the truth, if you do your work diligently, there is no law against that. So by your lifestyle, are you an ambassador of the kingdom of God in the kingdom of this world? Let me close by telling you the story of uh, St. Francis of Assisi. St. Francis of Assisi is usually quoted as saying, preach the word. And if necessary, or no, rather, he says, preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. Preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. In other words, for, for St. Francis of Assisi, the most effective way to preach the gospel is by your lifestyle. Let them see the gospel in the way you live in your values. I mean, we are told that words, I mean, uh, uh, your deeds speak louder than your words. So if they try to gag us, they say that we cannot witness, let us preach the gospel by the way we live. And finally, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, verse 19, he says, If only in this world we have hope. If citizens of the kingdom have hope only in this world, he says then, Christians are of all people most to be pitied. We are most miserable if our hope is limited only to this world. But praise be to the Lord. Our hope is not limited to this world. Our hope is a hope that transcends this world and goes into the kingdom of God because we are citizens. I mean, we have dual citizenship. Thank God our dual citizenship transcends the kingdom of this world and into the kingdom of God. It is my prayer that as you and I go out this week, 
our neighbors, our friends and our families and colleagues will see in us and they will know that, hey, look, we belong, we have dual citizenship. When they see you, may they know that you are not just a citizen of this world, but you belong to the kingdom of God. Amen?